Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. It's just amazing to see how God moves and is continuing to move even now in ways that he did in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, is very powerful. And today's message we are going to be talking about from Exodus. And I don't know when, when we talk about Exodus, if you guys, what you think of for the first, like whenever you hear Exodus, I think of the time of, like, of Moses. I think of Egypt, and I think of the time when they crossed the Red Sea, and boom, they're in the wilderness, and all that yada yada crazy stuff. So that's what I think of. Um, but I want to kind of give you a little bit of a backstory from Exodus 1, and we're going to read a little bit of Exodus 2. But um, before the time of Moses, all right, there was um, a guy named Joseph, right? Who remembers Joseph? His dad was Jacob, and he had 11 other brothers, and they became um, basically the Israelites. And what happened was they, they moved, they basically moved to Egypt and made that their home. And they, they just started growing. Their family started growing. Genera the next generation, it's like booming. And the, um, uh, Joseph and the rest of his family has passed away. So it's just the Israelites now from the generations uh, afterwards. And so with that happening, what happened, after, like not just their generation is growing, but there was a new pharaoh that rose up as well. So there was a pharaoh that Joseph worked with um, before you know, that, that welcomed Joseph's family to live in Egypt. And this, this new pharaoh had no idea who Joseph was. He had no idea what the stories and the monuments and all these things that have been created through the family of Joseph. And so I want you to keep this in mind that there is a new pharaoh. And so what he realized, you know, a new, uh, since he had no idea who Joseph was and what he did in the land of Egypt... He got a little antsy, you know. He got a little, like, squirmish, uncomfortable. It's like, man, there's a lot of people that are not from here. They're, they're foreign. They are Israelites, and they are basically outpopulating our people. Um, what if war breaks out, and they'll just join the enemies and go against us? We're going to lose. This is what Pharaoh's thinking, okay? This is what he, what's being spoken about in the Bible. And so he came up with this law. He came up with this mandate. So basically, he said, in order for me to have this under control, I'm going to have every newborn Hebrew boy to not live. So this is the time that they're in. There's this crazy law that requires death to happen. And it's, I, I could just imagine being in that time where it's like, there's, life is not guaranteed, basically. So that's what happened in Exodus 1, before Exodus, um, even like in Genesis, the end of that, going into Exodus 1. So now let's read the main scripture in Exodus 2. So and we're going to read verses 1 through 9. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reed and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. Verse 4. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get, it to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse a baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called, you guessed it, the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. And nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. 
So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. And that is the story of how Moses survived. Just that, that, that few verses right there. And then everything else is all the things that we know about Moses. You know, he grew up, he killed someone, and then he ran away, and then all this stuff, all this crazy stuff. But then he set people, he saved his, uh, God's people. But I wanted to focus, you know, on this. When, when the Lord, when I read this, I, I just felt like the Lord was saying, like, this is something that we could all kind of relate to because we're in this predicament in, in a lot of seasons of our life. And I just wanted to see, like, imagine, like, well, basically, today's sermon isn't going to be about Moses. I know it sounded like it's all about Moses, but it's not going to be about Moses. It's actually going to be about someone that we tend to overlook and we tend to not even realize or notice in the Bible. But I, I find it interesting that because it's in the Bible, and I know God is very intentional when everything in the Bible. So this is something that I've read over and over, and I just overlooked. And then God, in the moment of faith, like, like stirring up in my heart, he said, this is for you and for your church for faith. But... The person we want to talk about is actually Moses' mother. Someone that we tend to overlook. Someone that you probably don't even know her name. But does anyone know the name of Moses' mother? It's Joe Kebed. Joe Kebed. It's found in the Bible later on um, in that book. But her name is Joe Kebed. But like, she had, like, this minor, you know, we're in this world where, in, even in this generation, where, like, everyone wants to be the main character, you know, like, in life. Basically, what that means is, like, everything revolves around us. Uh, and that's not how it works when it comes to the word of God. And so I want you to find these side characters, but they, there's a main point that God wants to bring out. And, and, and in Jochebed's case, faith is one of the biggest things that, that is proven through her testimony in this moment. But I want to give you some perspective, right? We understand what has happened up until this point with Moses and the time that Moses was. They're in this time where there's this mandate that every newborn baby, I mean, Hebrew boy had to be killed. There was no chance for them. That was the life that they were living right now. And it said that before it said this part. It said, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. As in, they, they decided, even in the midst of chaos and craziness, that we're going to get married. Okay, we're going to do this. Not only that, but in the midst of this craziness, when they're married, they know, they were, like, they know the only way for their family line to continue to go is if they have children. So they said the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She became pregnant in the midst of this chaos. She knew what was happening. She knew that there was death all around us, but she said, let's just get pregnant. We, we, this is part of what we're supposed to do. God says to multiply. We're going to get pregnant. But not only that, before we even talk about realizing that it's Moses, how long do women normally be pregnant for? Nine months. Nine months. They did not have, um, what do you call those? Man, it's been so long. Ultrasounds back then. You just had to like, it's kind of like one of those, the surprise chocolate eggs where you like open it up. It's like, woohoo, I got a prize, you know. But is it a boy? Is it a girl? It's like you won't know until nine months. So come along with the ride. So she was in nine months. Just imagine Jochebed. She's like, this is supposed to be the most exciting time of my life. But I'm just filled with uncertainty. I am filled with fear. I have no idea what the results are going to be. And that's the case when it comes to the risk of being pregnant at this time. And then nine months later, lo and behold, it's a boy. And of course, normally, nowadays, we would be super excited. We'd throw a party. Everyone would visit, give gifts, you know, little blue clothes for the baby. But at this time, no. It's more like, oh, no. What's going to happen? It's not, I'm so excited, a baby. It's more like, Lord, 
it's a boy. And we might not have this boy much longer. And I guess I just, when you become a parent, it translates into such a different relatable way where it's like, I can't, I have a baby boy who is not three months. (laughs) He is a year old, but, well, almost a year old. But I could just, I can't imagine, like, realizing in that moment where it's like, little Milo might not make it, you know, because he's destined to death because of what's happening. And I feel like Jochebed could, I'm pretty certain that she had that feeling where it's like, her and her husband were just like, we have no idea what to do. So their option, they tried, and I want you to know, like, they didn't just give up. They tried. They tried to keep him hidden for how long? Three months. And all the parents know that you cannot keep a three-month-old baby quiet the whole time because they're going to find him. And we know that didn't work. And to me, when I was reading this, it seemed like the only thing that could happen is that a miracle needed to happen. It's like everything was out of her control. That she needed a miracle. But when I was thinking that, God reminded me the situation with the house. And he said, RJ, this is what you say when things get out of your hand, get out of control from you, from you. You know, he told me, RJ, remember, you don't need a miracle. You need faith. And when I was reading that, I realized Jochebed didn't just ask for a miracle. She stepped out in faith. And we're going we're gonna to jump into that and realize what that looks like. But we could only, the thing is what you need to understand about miracles. And I know I've been guilty of this. And many of us may have been like, God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to just show up and change the situation. Do this, whatever, blah, 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 blah. That when, when. The only thing we can do is wait for a miracle. That's all. When it comes to a miracle, all we could do is wait. But we're not only supposed to wait because we're supposed to actually walk by faith. And walking is not waiting. Walking means I'm doing something out of faith. That's why... A miracle is like we, we, we can't do anything when it comes to a miracle, but we can do faith. We could do faith. Faith, what I felt the Lord was saying is faith is the new wineskin for the new wine that you're looking for. The, the miracle of God, from God that he has for you. Faith is that new wineskin. Faith is the thing that could hold that miracle Faith opens the door for miracles to happen, not the other way around. I encourage you because faith is always the first step towards a miracle. I want you to, I want to encourage you to read Hebrews 11 right now. Just kidding. No, I want you to, I want to encourage you read Hebrews 11 because it gives a testament of all, a lot of moments in the Old Testament about because of faith, because of faith. When he did this in faith, when she did this, it's all about faith, and then it shows the results of the miracle. I encourage you to read that. We will read a few scriptures of that here today. But I want to encourage you, do not pursue the miracle. Because it's kind of like you're pursuing air. You know, you can't pursue a miracle. Because we don't even know what that miracle is. But we have to pursue the miracle maker which is Jesus, which requires, you guessed it, faith. That's the only way a miracle could happen in your life. Don't pursue the miracle. Pursue Jesus, which requires faith. The thing is, miracles are all from God. We have nothing to do with a miracle. We, we cannot, like basically, the, we can't make a miracle happen. Because miracles are miracles that only happen from God, who's the only one that could do miracles. But what we have is faith. Faith is on us. Faith is on you. You're accountable for your faith. You're not accountable for the miracle. You're accountable for faith. 
God's not going to come when we face him. He's not going to be like, oh, man, you, you good and miracle-seeking servant. He said, you good and faithful servant. He said, faithful. He doesn't want us to pursue miracles. He wants us to walk in faith. And the benefit of that is we get the miracle. I think of it like going through a buffet. You know, I love buffets. And all you're doing is walking through. And you're like, I want that. I want that. It's a miracle it could fit all in my stomach. You know? I feel like faith is the walking part. The miracle is the food is just miraculously there. It's like, I'll eat that. I don't have to do anything. Anyone want to go to Golden Corral afterwards? I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Faith, we may have heard this. Faith without action is what? Dead. It's, it, it doesn't exist. You know? Because faith requires something of us to do. So don't get me wrong, though. Okay? Do not get me wrong. Miracles are great, and I'm always asking God for miracles. But this year, God revealed to me, it's like, okay, ask for it, but now act on it. You know? Act on it with faith. That thought process, though, is if we, thought, if we pursue miracles and we think miracles are first. Whoa. Hallelujah. Lights are off. I don't know if anyone touched it on accident. Hallelujah. It's a miracle. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Don't get me wrong, though. Miracles really are great. And I think, like, when, when we are... Seeking the miracle, though, first, that thought process is completely wrong, and it is out of alignment with the word of God. Miracles don't change a heart, but faith does. That's the reason why God wants us to be people of faith, because faith is what changes us. Miracles don't change inside. It changes a circumstance. It changes a situation, but does it change us? But RJ, it could change me. I want to give you an example. In Exodus, Few chapters later, where Moses is like to Pharaoh, let my people go, yo. And he's like, I don't want to let them go. Okay, God, what do I do? Here's a miracle. Let him see this. And Pharaoh's like, I don't care about that. I got people that could do that too. And then his little magical people are like, woo, snake into the staff, staff into the snake, whatever it is. And it's like boils and all these things. And faith, I mean, the miracle after every miracle, Pharaoh's heart got harder. And just to clarify, Jesus didn't harden Pharaoh's heart. In the first few miracles, it just said, Pharaoh hardened his heart. But then God saw an opportunity. It's like, you know, if he's not going to change, I'm just going to take advantage of his hard heart. Then that's why it said all that stuff. But that's beyond the point. What I'm trying to say is the miracles did not change Pharaoh. So if you're looking for a miracle, thinking it's just going to change you, it's going to be wrong. It's not going to happen. It's going to change your situation, but then you're going to find yourself back in that little area where you're like, I need another miracle. But God's saying, you need faith. Another story of a miracle not changing people is the, the man that was possessed with multiple demons, a legion. Right? Backstory of that, he, this crazy lunatic, naked, cutting himself, screaming at people, doing all this demonic stuff in the graveyard. <laughs> Makes things a lot better, right? He's just the epitome of being possessed. And Jesus comes to him, and of course, like, He's like, my name's Legion. It's like, don't just send me out. Send me into those pigs and all the herd of pigs. Go and kill themselves. And then what happens after that? He's completely sane, clothed, next to Jesus. He's completely a different person. And wow, what a miracle. Wouldn't you agree? But let me tell you what happens after that. The people saw all of this and they're like, I'm a Afraid. Don't do that. Jesus, you need to go. You need to go. You know, like, they didn't respond to the miracle of freedom. But this man 
with the faith to come to Jesus, got set free. But his, that miracle didn't change people. Changed his situation, but he stepped out in faith. Real quick, another miracle that kind of ended a little different was the son that was possessed and the father was desperate because he's like, I don't know, the other disciples tried to pray for him and it failed, you know, and I don't know what to do. Jesus set my son free. The, this demon, like, makes him all crazy, tries to kill him, jumping into the water, jumping into the fire. And what Jesus said, again, it, it wasn't, oh, you miracle-lacking people. He said, you faithless people, faithless. And that wasn't a necessarily like putting down, but it's like, you lack faith. That's why this didn't happen. And then he, the guy said, Lord, like if you're willing, do this. And he's like, oh, of course I'm willing, but it's like you have to believe. And he's like, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. You know, sometimes you feel like I don't have faith. I don't even know how to have it. You have to ask for it. And you have to acknowledge, like, yeah, I lack faith. That's how I was with this house situation. God, I, I lack faith. Faith. I'm not going to be like this, like, super holy in the outside looking thing, like pretending everything's fine, but inside I know it's not. But, like, I come to the realization I need faith. So when you realize you need it, you need to be like, I believe in you, Jesus. Help me overcome my unbelief in this situation. I want to be someone filled with faith. We need faith. What do you need to see happen in your life right now? We're all in a situation where we need a miracle from God, where we need God to do something, that we're in a predicament where it's out of our control, no matter how much we try to keep it under control. You know, it's, try, it's like trying to catch a fish fresh out of water and your hands are filled with olive oil. It's like you can't do it, you know. It's like control, out of the picture. That's what it's like when you try to just keep things out in, in your control. What is it? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Is it the addiction that you can't seem to get over? Is it broken relationships that you, you're trying to make work? Is it lust? Is it insecurity? Is it lack of direction in your life? Lack of an understanding of your purpose in life? Have you ever said any of these things? Maybe you fill in the blank. It's like, God, I need blank from you. God, I need freedom. I need healing. I just need this situation. God, I don't like me, and I don't like how I respond to these situations. Just change me. Just press a button and say change, you know? Like, it's, we, I've been in that situation where it's like, I just wish God could just, boop, gone. I'm sure we've all been, boop, depression, gone, boop, you know, lust, gone, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 you know, I don't know. We're not robots, you know, we're not supposed to be robots. We were created in his image. And so we were created to be in relationship with him. So he's not going to just control you and make you do something that you don't choose to do. That's not how God works. What do you need to see happen in your life? Just take 20 seconds, reflect. What do I need right now? What is it? And I know in my situation it was, I need the house. I need financial provision. God, I need that. What is it with you? What do you need? And when we say, God, if you could just change this, if you could just make this happen, basically what we're asking for is a miracle. And I got news for you. The miracle's not just going to happen to change you. But God wants to bring you to that miracle. Let's clarify. God wants miracles to happen in your life. But what he wants more is you walking in faith. Have you ever had someone, don't point fingers, okay? Have you ever had someone that just only comes to you when they need something? And then it's like, bye. Hey, six months later, bye. Two years later, whoa, you look different, bye. You know, it's like, I don't know. There's someone that just only gets things from you. That's all they want. Sometimes if we look for miracles only, that's how we are with God. It's like, 
hi, God, it's me again. I know you may not remember me, but, but when we are with, in faith, it's like we're here walking by faith, walking with him, and it's like, oh, by the way, God, like, this is where we're at. Okay, just walk over here. It's like, okay. Oh, what about the, oh, yeah, let's go this way. You are walking, you are communing, you are talking to God. And that's why we need to be people of faith. So, you wonder, okay, how do I walk in faith? How do I really do this? Let's take Jochebed, Jochebed, that's how you really say it, into perspective here on how she did things. The easiest way that I got this are, I'm going to just jet through these points because I really feel like there's ministry time. God wants to bring faith. He wants to awaken faith in you. So just be ready. But the easiest way to remember this is the five R's. (laughs) The five R's. How do I walk in faith, RJ? (laughs) Okay. How do I walk in faith? How do I do this? It's like, don't worry, I'm I'm not one of those points, okay? (laughs) Just kidding. Okay, so how do I walk in faith? How do I do this? How do I, like, stop thinking of just a miracle but start thinking about the faith and what I'm supposed to walk out in? Okay, number one is you need to realize the character of God. You need to realize who gives you that miracle you're looking for, who gives you that faith. And remember, ask, will of God, ask, seek, knock. And only this is possible if you understand who you're asking. You know, again, as a dad, like Taya's at this age where she just wants everything, you know? And I look at her little face, and I can't say no, so I bought her a pony. I'm just kidding. No, I didn't do that. <laughs> so she'll always, like, come to me, and, like, she, I don't know, like, she never is, like, Daddy, can I ask you a question? I'm, like, she doesn't do that. She's, like, Daddy, chocolate milk. Chocolate milk. I'm like, you want chocolate milk? Mm-hmm. And she runs and just sits and waits. Chocolate milk. I'm like, okay. Let's get you some chocolate milk. I'm not going to be like, well, you better do this first. Clean your room and do the dishes and wash the car and pay the bills. You know, I'm not going to tell her to do those things. Obviously, sometimes you got to be like, say sorry to Milo because you pushed him for the seventh time. But I'm not going to, my gifts to her are not conditional. You need to understand that we have a God who is not a gift giver out of condition from us. But it's out of position in our hearts. We need to understand we got to position ourselves in faith to receive all that our good, good father has for us. And we need to understand that we are children of God. Sometimes we, maybe you're here and you're afraid to ask the Father specific things. That just means you view him completely wrong. And I'm not here to like point something out. If this is convicting you, you need to have the right perspective of our Heavenly Father. And you know what? We're in a generation, and even past generations, where fathers and father figures were bad examples. But God is not like that. God is nothing like bad earthly fathers, if you've experienced that. And none of our, even as good as our earthly father could be, they're not perfect. God's even better than that. You know, I want to be the best father that I can to my children. And I know I'm going to make mistakes. But just imagine the one who doesn't make mistakes on how good his heart is for his children. So we need to understand who we are asking. Father, my good father who wants to give us good gifts. That's the God we serve. That's the father we get to be in relationship with. And if you need that, 
Don't be afraid and hesitate to come to the altar whenever we have ministry. Let God change you. Change your perspective. Okay, realize, you know, the character of God, and we need to get used to asking him. That's why God told me, for your house, don't just ask for a house. It's like, duh, like I need a house. He's like, no, I want you to be specific. I want you to ask like, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm not saying everything we ask, God is going to give it to us in that sense. You know, in the sense of like, I could have been like, God, I want a house that is 1,800 square feet. And if it's not 1,800 square feet, then God's not going to do it. And, you know, as we're walking with God, God will start pointing our heart in the direction what to ask. Because he gives us the desires of his heart. But it requires faith to do the process in that. So realize the character of God. Amen? All right. Number two, that we learn from Jochebed is relinquish control. And this is something that I feel like a majority of us, if not all of us, face to one degree or another, you know? Basically, to relinquish control, what I'm trying to say is trying to make something happen on our own terms and in our own might trying to make a miracle happen or a fulfillment or a prophecy or a, or a purpose to happen in our life out of our own terms. She realized that the baby was special, revealing that that's God. That's the character of God. But this is what she did. She's like, okay, I got to, I, what her part was, I tried to keep him hidden for three months, Right? That's under her control. But when she realized she could no longer hide him, she had a decision to make. If she decided to keep the baby, the inevitable is going to happen. Moses was going to die. But when she realized, I can't hold on to him on my own terms. I need to let go and give it to God. And giving, give, relinquishing control and giving up to God, you know, I think this relates a lot because I work with young people that we have aspirations and dreams. But letting go and, and relinquishing control does not mean forgetting about those dreams. Let's make that clear. It is not, oh, I, I feel like I'm called to be a pastor or a missionary or whatever, but for some reason, I can't happen right now. So relinquishing control of that means that's not, I don't want to think that or do that or whatever anymore. No. It just means you need to stop trying to make it happen on your own terms. It just means we need to trust God that if he said this and spoke it into us, he will f for sure come to pass in his promise for that. Because we have a God who never backs out on a promise or, it, or whatever it is that we have or need from him. God will be faithful. God will come through, and it may look completely different. Trust me, it looks completely different in my life than what I thought some years ago <laughs> that are double digits, so Lord, help me. But we need to relinquish control. And I, I know that I said with younger people this, but those who don't fit in that category, I just want to let you know that faith could grow still. Don't ever think that as I get older, you know, I'm kind of in that awkward prime time of life where I'm at the 30s, where do I fit, you know, am I young, am I old, am I just, uh, you know, but those who are in that young adult category, like faith continues to grow. So I've, what I've learned is that everything that I've learned in the past doesn't mean that's all that I have. There's so much more that God could give and so much more of faith that God could stir up. So I encourage you, don't be closed off to what's to come because there's more. There is more. There is more until we get to be in front of our Heavenly Father. So don't stop. Relinquish control. We need to try, we need to stop trying to take control of that situation that you need from God to fix. Stop, you know, just stop it. You know, we gotta, we need to stop and release. Relinquish control and let God have it all. 
realize the character of God, relinquish control. Number three is risky obedience. And I want to <laughs> tell you this, that true faith is risky. It really means I have no idea what is going to happen if I walk right here, you know. I have no idea if we actually put all this money down into this house. God, we need you, you know. It's risky. But it's rewarding when we risk in our faith. It is and this is where God showed me that this is where I lacked a lot, because I like to know what's to come. But it's kind of like, you know, have you ever tried to walk into a room and the lights are off and you're just trying to navigate everything and you hurt yourself? You know, it, it, that's risky. It's kind of like, it, it really is, I have no idea what's to come. I don't know if God's going to come through, although we know he will. Sometimes we feel like it, he won't. But it's like, what's going to happen to what I have now, what I could control. For Jochebed, it didn't mean, just mean giving up Moses, their baby. It meant giving up their family line. And they knew the importance of building that legacy. And when they're like, I can't hide baby Moses any longer, I have no control in this, she could have either held on to him or not, but she knew I had to relinquish control. I had to take a risk and be like, if this baby is really special from God, if this dream that I have is really from God, if this relationship or this desire that I have is really from God, I surely know God will bring it back to life. If it dies, I know God will make it, will navigate its way back to me for some reason when I let go of control. And you know what happened? Baby Moses found his way around into safety and brought back to her. That's risk, but God will always bring his promise through in these situations. It didn't just mean giving up Moses, it meant giving up their family line, as in like, can we go through this again? If we lose Moses, can we, should we go through this again during this mandate? All the pain, all the fear, all the anxiety, all the uncertainty to go through it again in nine months and then find out, is it a boy? We hope it's a boy, but then it's again, that, that, that double-edged sword, if it's a boy, it means it dies. Which means there's no hope. We have no family line. It stops with us. But it's risky. It reminds me of the story of Abraham and Isaac. And in Hebrew 11, like I said, we we're going to read about it. Hebrew 11, 17 through uh, 19, it says this. It was by what? It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, his only one that could continue this promise of multiplied nations, of multiple descendants in his life, to whom your descendants will be counted. Verse 19, Abraham reasoned, and this is what gets me. This is true faith. And sometimes we don't realize this is what happened. But Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. And in that sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. It wasn't his son that he was talking about. It was the promise of God that he was talking about. We need to realize the promise of God that he has in your life, if it was meant to be, God will raise it back up. But what, has, what does he require from us? Obe risky obedience. Faith. So realize the character of God, relinquish control, risky obedience. Number four is rest in the process. This is where we all get a little dancey-ancy in our pantsy, you know. It's like we want to know what, what God's doing once I've released it, and it's like, God, come on, come on, come on. But that develops anxiety, fear, confusion, 
chaos. But trusting God, resting in this, brings us peace. And if you are not living in peace in this process, then you're not putting your full faith in God. Because the result of, of trusting in God is that peace that only he could give. Peace beyond understanding. I don't understand how this could be peaceful, but Lord, I trust you. So I know I rest in you. Trust fall. You know, it's like no one. Okay. So just kidding. It's, we got to rest in the process. And the thing is, God is working behind the scenes. You remember, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. He never stops working. Behind the scenes. And I just want to point out, imagine us being people of faith when we worship him. The songs that we sing. Imagine if we truly believed the words that we sing together in a congregation, worshiping and glorifying him. Yes, Lord, I believe that you will move that mountain. Not just, oh, my gosh, I love this beat. I'm just going to sing along with it. No, I know that God is going to be faithful. Imagine a church filled with people faithful like that, believing everything that God says in his word. That is going to change this world. Resting in the process ties into point number one, too, which is realizing the character of God because it ties into trusting God as our good heavenly father. You know, like I said, going back to the story that when Taya asked for chocolate milk, uh, she sits down and just waits. She's not, like, making sure I do it. She's like, go get that milk. She's like, what are you doing? Don't go to the bathroom. Go get the milk. You know, it's like, she just waits, and she's, like, sitting there, and she's like, I'm going to get chocolate milk. I'm going to get, you know, like, and I use my kids for examples a lot because you learn a lot from children because they have no hold bars, basically, as in, like, they don't hold anything back, and they trust completely. And God says to what? Come as a very logical adult. <laughs> Come like a child. Come like a child, trusting that our Father will give everything that we need. Rest in trusting in God. Rest in that process. You may be in this process right now. You may not have seen the healing. You may not have seen that, that freedom yet. You may not have seen that change situation. But rest in the one who is holding everything together. Rest in the process. And the last point, you know, realizing the character of God, relinquishing control, risky obedience, rest in the process. This allows us to receive the miracle. When we put ourselves in this situation, when we put ourselves in this position with God through faith, we receive the miracle that we've been longing for. Verse, in verse 8, it says, the princess replied, yes, I do. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. This baby that was actually yours, which I have no idea about. Take this baby and nurse it. And I will pay you, you know, pay you for something that you, that you gave birth to that was rightfully yours that you would have done for free, you know. I'm going to pay you. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him, you know. It's like, oh, my baby's back. So the miracle showed up. But she needed to do some faith movements. She needed to do some risky things. Or that miracle may never have happened. I don't see God doing this in my life. I don't see God moving and changing me, getting rid of this insecurity, feeling like I'm always messed up and I'm making all these mistakes and I'm holding on to shame and regret and all these things. I don't see him moving. But are you moving in faith? So we don't see the miracle happen because we're just waiting for the miracle. We need to be people who walk in faith. Jochebed's faith 
I want you to understand this. Sometimes within some miracle, we, only, we, we look selfishly because it's all about us. That miracle could do this to me, you know? Even this miracle could do this for my family, you know? But Jochebed's faith wasn't just for her. It didn't just open the door for the miracle for Moses to survive, to make his full circle back to his mother. That wasn't the only miracle. That was just a little sliver uh, of the miracle that God had for her family. What she didn't see really was what happened after that. That big miracle of the Israelites being set free from Egypt, walking through the Red Sea, going into the wilderness, and then after that, really being transformed. All of these things that Moses did because of his mother's faith. And what I want to say is you think your faith is only for yourself. You're selfishly wrong because it's actually for what God has planned in your legacy and in your family and I look at my children, and, and even in the past where I didn't have children, like I knew everything that I did was going to be put into my family and my legacy. Your faith today could set your children up for bigger faith than you could ever have in your life. And I want you to know, those of you who are young and don't have any kids, start now. Because when you get to this point and you're like, what, what do I do? You're already going to have built up that, 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 that treasure of faith that God's going to bring into your life. And your kids are going to just follow the Lord because of your faith. Those of you that you feel like your kids are already like off the side and has fallen away from the Lord, your faith today could bring them back. Your faith today could change the trajectory of your life and your legacy. We need to stop being Christians who only think of ourselves and what it benefits us. But God wants to benefit the whole world through the people that come through you. We need to be people who think beyond just ourselves. But in faith, we think of those who are coming after us. Lord. And through that, she received that miracle. And through that, she opened the door for Moses to receive that miracle. And as we end here, we're just going to have the piano player just come up for a little bit. Realize the character of God. Relinquish control. Risky obedience. Rest in the process. And then receive the miracle. If we live for the miracle, we only live for the result. And if, this, if there's one thing you could take away, after everything that was said, just take this. If we live for the miracle, we live only for the result. But if we live by faith, we get to walk with God. Because a miracle, it's like, you know, I, 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 I'm asking God, Lord, I need a miracle right now. You know, I need a miracle I'm just waiting here, and then Caleb, representing God, he's walking, he gives me the miracle, which just represent your phone. I'm just waiting. It's like, oh, the miracle is here, you know? So go back there. But true faith is like this. I need a miracle from God. God, can you give this to me? And he walks me to the miracle. I love you. I love you. <laughs> The miracle of God is only for the result. And if we do that, we're just waiting here. God, where's that miracle? Where's my freedom? Where's my, 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 my the dream that I have to come, the purpose that I have to come? But when he says, you don't need a miracle, you need faith. What he's saying is, you don't need me to come to you. I want you to come to me. And I want you to walk with me. Many people say, God, come. Many people say, God, do this. But what many people miss is to saying, God, walk with me. And that's something that God was showing me. God, I want to walk with you. 
I don't just want to see you do all these things. I want to do this with you. Again, I said that Jochebed was one of those characters that most people don't think is a main character, but she is in her own way. There's another character in the Bible that people just tend to read over a lot. It comes from Genesis 5.24. I don't know if I have this on there, but it's okay. But it's an NIV. And it says, Enoch walked faithfully with God. Then he has no more because God took him away. I want you to understand, this was just, God was, they were just listing the lineage. Like, this person lived for this many years and had these kids. This person lived for this many years. And then they got to Enoch. Enoch had this many kids and did this. And then Enoch walked faithfully with God. Hebrews 11.5, the chapter that I want you to read, so I really encourage you, take time this week, read it. Hebrews 11.5 says, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He, that was the miracle. It's like, where'd he go? But he walked with God first. He disappeared because God took him. For because, before he was taken up, he was known as a person who, get this, pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists, that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. I want to be known as someone that pleased God. I want to be known as someone that walked with God. And it is only by, who in here wants to please God? You need faith. You need faith. It's not just about doing things and saying I'm a Christian and, and, and doing these tasks that Christians should do. But it's about faith. And walking with God is what pleases him. If only Encounter Church, you, if only you could be people who walked with God and pleased him in that way. How a generation, how a world could change. I want to be like Enoch. I want to be like Jochebed. A lot of people say I want to be like King David. I want to be like this. I want to be like that. Those are great. They're great. And I want to be like them too. But I want to be like Enoch who walked with God. I want to be like Jochebed, who took risky faith. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.